Hello there, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham here on The Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Very glad to be with y'all today. Uh, hearing some thunder outside, looks like the bottom is about to fall out from the clouds, so y'all be careful driving around out there. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm upset. I wish that Attorney General Merrick Garland would call me before he makes a, 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 a press conference, uh, because right now that's the big news topic of the day, and I'm going to get to that in the second half of the show. But uh, for right now, I want to shift gears a little bit, focus on a local issue. Now, uh, today was very weird for me. It's the first time in nine years that I haven't woken up to go to the first day of school and, and be there in a classroom with students. I've left education. But I, I, you know, we've talked about the issue on the air before. Um, that in, it's my opinion that one of the greatest needs that we have in the school system right now is a focus on the mental health of our students. And another one of the issues that we're seeing growing, not just nationally, but even now here locally, is the issue of trans identity in the classroom. Uh, we've talked about this. You guys know my thoughts on it. But there is a local story that is coming to light. There's a group called We Demand More. It is a group of LGBT alumni from St. Thomas More, and they want a dialogue with the school, with the students, even with the Diocese of Lafayette, because of a policy that's being reinforced and, and, and being really emphasized now in the student handbook at STM. And joining us on the, on the show today by phone is Thomas Luke, one of the uh, outspoken members of the group. Thomas, thank you very much for joining me today. Hi, thank you for having me. All right. So let's let's jump right into it. Um, you know, there was a story in the Acadiana Advocate kind of detailed you guys putting up a letter on the school's door. What is it exactly that We Demand More is looking for? Yeah, so We Demand More, I'm going to, I guess, um, update what you introduced us as. Mm -hmm. We are actually a group of both queer and allied alumni of this school. Okay. Um, we're a group about of 100 nowadays, and really what our, um, our goal is here is kind of twofold. Mm -hmm. um, one, we want to have um, open and direct dialogue with both our former school as well as the Diocese of Lafayette, um, asking to um, repeal the sexual identity policy um, and for the students to be allowed to use the pronouns, the names, and the uniforms and facilities that um, they need to go about their daily lives. Um, we're also, the other side of our campaign is to create a social media presence to kind of show what life is like on the other side of high school as a queer person, mm -hmm. especially a queer person coming from Lafayette. We, we're sharing testimonials of um, our experiences in high school, going to a Catholic school as a queer person. We are um, reporting different mental health services and resources, like you were just mentioning, um, for queer and allied people alike. Um, and really just showing that, you know, there's hope on the other side, <laughs> that high school is high school, but you can you can get through it and show that um, no matter your orientation or gender identity, um, you're, there's, there's more to life beyond high school, you mm -hmm. know, and that eventually you will be able to work and live and be successful. 
Now, obviously, you know, this is going to be a tough fight. And mm-hmm. what what you as a group are doing is you're asking a Catholic school and a Catholic diocese to revoke one, a, a pretty major part of Catholic ideology right now. Um, what what kind of success do you think you, you're going to have in that dialogue? Yeah, so we are asking for dialogue directly with the diocese, particularly, and we just want them to consider the research that shows that LGBTQ students will be irreversibly harmed by this policy. And if the diocese will not reconsider its mandate, we hope that um, STM can at least um, recognize the potential harm that it could have and put some some support in place. Um, Like our letter um, in response to the policy states, we're not looking to change Catholic ideology. We know that that is not going to happen, and we're not asking for any curriculum changes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we understand that we can't ask them to stop instructing um, on Catholic catechism um, and or make any additions to it. But um, we believe that education can and should coexist within um, a safe and inclusive environment that accepts accept these students as they are without imposing any judgment, shame, or fear. But are, are you, isn't it kind of tricky to ask a Catholic institution to coexist with something that kind of flies in the face of their teaching, though? I, I, don't, I don't think it is hard to ask for um, teachers to use a student's last name, for example, to recognize and acknowledge a student. You know, that's an option that is very neutral, <laughs> that doesn't directly um, acknowledge gender identity. Mm-hmm. Um, asking for, um, you know, just one space on campus that is, you know, a, a single-stall bathroom for, it's for students to use the bathroom or change in. Um, you know, we're we're asking for the bare minimum here. We're not asking for anything extreme i feel okay and 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 i'm I'm glad that you're kind of talking about neutral ground as opposed to as we've seen frankly in some of the pushes in other parts of the country where they they want to force ideological changes in religious institutions and 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 things like that what do you think or i'm i'm i feel like i'm kind of re-asking the same question here but I'm, I'm, i'm trying not to what is, in your opinion, the most likely outcome of your of of your discussions with the school and with the diocese? Yeah, um, I mean, we we hope and expect that at least some language change can happen with mm-hmm. the policy. Um, we, I, I, I think I personally find that the policy was poorly written by someone that does not, that is not culturally competent enough to um, write um, a policy regarding queer identities. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, I think our expectations are low, but that we're really just asking for, again, the bare minimum. Um, 
we're hoping that we can um, at least get them to acknowledge that they may not be competent enough to sensitively, um, I guess, coordinate support for these students um, and that it does take a sense of tact to um, support these students. Um, uh, so let me let me stop there. Uh, you, you mentioned the 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 cultural or or societal competency to address this issue. But again, it's it's an issue that's at odds with the, the Catholic faith itself. Is it mm-hmm. is it is it really competent? Is it really a, a, about competency or is it just a, a, a clashing of ideologies here? You know, I, I I think like on paper, the Catholic Catechism obviously does have very um, explicit um, teachings on um, human sexuality and and gender identity. Um, but at the core of the religion, I mean, I went to Catholic school for twelve years of my life. Um, no, f- 14 years of my life. And the, the core principles of the religion are that of love, unconditional love, forgiveness, and acceptance. And so I, I think those, I think it can coexist. Treating people um, with acceptance and inclusion and like, while also having like to like the letter of the law being um, taught, we just don't want teachers who aren't educated on queer issues to be talking on them. Because, but beyond just ex- explicitly saying the catechism's um, teachings, I-, I think like I mentioned on the last um, on Monday when I called in. We have several um, testimonials of people explaining that we had to debate same-sex marriage, and um, and we had teachers um, associate the LGBTQ community with pedophilia, and um, speaking of trans people as if they are mentally ill. Like all of those statements are factually untrue, and that is what we are preaching should not be taught in schools. Not, we're not asking them to stop teaching Catholic teaching. Um, and my last question, because we do need to, to wrap it up here shortly. We've gone long in this sure. segment, but I, I appreciate you calling in and expanding on this more, uh, because the original framing in the, in the article I saw ve- leaned very much kind of into the, the conflict that seemed to be brewing. It, it kind of it felt that way in, in the way it was phrased. You guys aren't looking for any sort of con- conflict. You're looking for dialogue. Is there any push to take this just beyond STM or the Catholic diocese? Is, is there a push to take this kind of inclusivity uh, dialogue into the public school system, for example? Absolutely. We, want, we know that our focus right now is in Lafayette and with the diocese, but we hope that after we get through this, small battle, (laughs) um, that we are able to 
um, extend our resources and our advocacy um, to the public school system and to schools beyond our region. Um, we know that this is not a problem um, unique to Lafayette, a problem unique to um, St. Thomas More. We know that this is widespread, and we, we definitely want to expand our reach um, as we kind of settle this instance. All right. Thomas Luke, thank you very much. Uh, with the group, we demand more. Again, I appreciate you calling in and, and kind of frankly calling into a hostile environment. It is a conservative show on a on a conservative station, but I appreciate you calling in and, and having this discourse with us. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. We're going to go ahead and take this break. Ran long here. We'll have a few minutes when we get back again. Thank you to Thomas and, and for uh, just coming in and having that conversation. When we come back, we'll start to get into the news of the day around the country here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. We've got about three and a half, four minutes if you want to call in and kind of you know give your reaction uh, to that interview we had. I know that uh, a lot of y'all uh, do have some comments. I've seen a lot of the comments floating around online about this particular issue. I'm very interested, frankly, to see uh, going forward uh, how that dialogue takes place. Again, it's an issue that that we've talked about here on the show before in terms of the push of the LGBT movement really for that inclusivity and that language and how in many places across the country, it has really, really been very aggressive. And, and the the push here seems to be far less aggressive, which is, I think, very interesting to note. And again, thank you to uh, Thomas Luke, one of the uh, spokespeople for We Demand More, coming out and and uh, talking about it. Uh, let's go ahead and go to the phones. I know we've got a couple of folks trying to call in. I think it's... Uh, it's Renee. We got I Renee on the line. Renee, we got Renee how yeah, are you? I, I think that uh, if they win any area of the push, because we have enough linguistically to satisfy anything to be said... If they have enough of a push to change things, like slang, every five years they'll have a political political uproar and you'll have to change something. Every five years, every five to ten years. It's just a heartache, monotonous, and uh, very nasty and, and disturbing and confusing for everybody. Everybody. Children, maybe even the dogs and the cats. It's just stupid. And I'd like to see them do that with the other languages of the world, if the French would tolerate that. I don't think LGBT French people would even like the French language to be messed with, much less have somebody from another country inspire their their uh, different people to uh, have an uproar like that. Yeah, um, thank you very much for the call, Renee. Yeah, it, it's, it's a very... Um... It's a very complex issue, and and part of it, yeah, does have to deal with the language and everything. But I think the I think what it's going to come down to is just how much give and inflexibility is there in that Catholic theology. You know, I, when when this issue first came up, I I admit that I'm not as up on my catechism and Catholic theology and all that as I should be as a practicing Catholic. But it never hurts to go back and and reread on the subject. You know, one of the things that the Catholic Church teaches and pushes is not the idea that identifying as LGBT or anything like that is the sin. It's the practicing 
of it. It is the sexual morality of it that is the sin. And the Catholic Church has routinely preached uh, celibacy, has routinely preached, you know, try very hard not to act on impulses. That itself is the sin. But there is generally acceptance in the identity of it. But what we get to when the when the trans issue in particular kind of comes at, at issue here is the the biological nature of sex and gender. And I think that's ultimately going to be the biggest sticking point here. We've had this fight before. We're going to continue to have the fight of biological males and female bathrooms and, and locker rooms and changing rooms. And we're going to continue to see that be an issue. I don't think that's ground that any school is really going to give on. All right. I know that there are some of you still wanting to call in. Hang on. We'll come back from the break. Let me talk about the news of the day real quick. The Merrick Garland stuff. And toward the end of the show, we will get to your calls on all of these issues here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to join it. Now, before we go to the phones, real quick, just want to briefly touch on the Merrick Garland press conference just a little while ago. Uh, and again, if you're on the phones, please hold on. We'll get to you in just a minute. But I, I wanted to mention this. Merrick Garland came out and basically said, you know what, we're going to file for the release of the search warrant. Donald Trump has an itemized list of everything that was taken. You know, he can release all that. Here's my immediate take. And I've talked with several people and they are kind of, and, and these are people who know way better than I do. And they're kind of in the same boat as me. The other day I mentioned that the National Archives stuff, the Presidential Records Act, that was the premise and they were really hoping to find something on January 6th. They didn't find what they were looking for. Had they found what they were looking for, what happened a little while ago with Merrick Garland's press conference would have been a wildly different press conference. They would have said, here's what we were looking for. Here's what we found. We are going to uh, turn this over to a, a grand jury and try to seek more. We're going to present an indictment, whatever. That's what they would be doing right now but they didn't find anything on January 6th at Mar-a-Lago. So now what they're basically saying is, well, we wanted to keep this quiet. It was Donald Trump that made this a big public thing. Uh, you, can't, you, you raided the, the residence of a former president of the United States. There's no way that's going to be quiet, much less with Trump. That's not exactly something quiet. That is big and flashy. And that's a little dishonest from the attorney general. But more to the point, Donald Trump is, uh, if, if Merrick Garland says he's free to show off the, the list, we gave his, his lawyers the warrant, we gave them the itemized list, if that's the case, Donald Trump should absolutely drop it right now. He should release it all right now. Go ahead and do it. But you and I both know if they had found anything related to January 6th, which Merrick Garland has indicated that he is interested in looking into Trump further over, you know that what happened today would have been wildly different. All right, let's go back to the phone lines. We've got Jim on the line. Jim, how are you today? Well, howdy, howdy. So what I wanted to call about, even though this um, little incident with 
President Trump is, is interesting. I, I want to get back to the, 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 the queers here who want to have a dialogue. Um, now, I mean, just look historically in the last three to five or six years. All these guys ever said it was they wanted to just get their foot in the door. And they have all, one and all, been dishonest about that. What they really wanted was to take take over and impose their own behavioral rules on everybody else. Um, and so here they are in a, in a Catholic school. Um, that's even a tough place for people in a public school to migrate to unless it's part of your, your upbringing. Um, and if it is part of your upbringing, that's the place for you. It's a better school anyway. Um, so although I'm not Catholic, I hate to see a Catholic school uh, degraded and, and made into a lower-quality environment for learning. Um, and I, I think it will be damaged by these people uh, um, getting their foot in the door, which will then turn into a big control thing for them. Uh, just look at history. that They've done it again and again and again. Um, and, and they're not going to admit that they're going to do it, but you know they are. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Jim, thank you very much for the call. I think we've got, we've got Warren on the line. All right, Warren, how are you today? Hey, man, what's going on? Not much. How are you doing? It's getting insane out there. Yeah, I'm doing good. Thank you, Joe. Um, I just wanted to make a quick comment about how ridiculous we've gotten. Um, you know, you go back in the Bible, it, it goes back to Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. It's so simple. A simple person like me could understand it, okay? And we, we, we make a mountain out of a molehill and we making everybody step and fetch and jump through hoops and hurdles because a couple of people got their fruits and vegetables mixed up. Everybody got the right to live the way they want to live. But don't force me to do certain behavior because of the way you believe. Everybody should get to do their own thing and not be oppressed by sickness, rules that are insane. All right, Warren, thank you very much for the call. You know, and, and this is, I think this is going to just continue to be um, a, a conflict that we're going to see in our school system, uh, you know, public, private, nationally, locally. We're, we're, going to consen- we're going to continue to see a lot of this going forward. And, and I, you know, it, it's a very difficult line to walk because I've, I've been in the classroom and I, I've worked with, Kids who have identified as trans. Again, 232-1542 if y'all want to call in and be part of the conversation. And it is when you get down to it, because again, I've, you guys have heard me talk about it a lot of times. Several shows I've talked about it. The most important thing, in my opinion, that we need to make sure that we are addressing is the mental health of our children in our school systems. And when it comes to trans identity... That's probably the biggest minefield to try and dance around. And I know that a lot of y'all who listened to that interview, a lot of y'all out there listening to me right now, don't believe it's an issue you tiptoe around. There's that, that it is a black and white thing. And to a large extent, 
I agree with you. But we're not just talking a theoretical here. We are talking about an actual situation where you are having to address kids who have some sort of mental block. They're having some sort of identity crisis that they're going through. And that's not something that you just jump into and say, hey, you're wrong. And just and and that's it. An outright rejection is the worst thing you can do for a kid that's having these sorts of social identity issues. But at the same time, there is no group, I don't care what the advocacy is, there is no group that has any right to try to force a religious institution to change their ideology. And that is where we are in this situation. In this particular situation, you have an issue that is sensitive, the mental health of students in our school systems, public or private. And you have the First Amendment and that religious institutions, the state cannot mandate what they believe or how they believe. And so you have these two very important issues that are now going head to head in a lot of these instances, including now locally. And I get extremely concerned that there's not going to be very many winners in this. And that ultimately is why I thought it was important enough to have Thomas Luke come on and talk about the issue from their perspective. If you're listening to this this show, chances are you're on the opposite side of the ideological fence from Thomas. I am too. I'm a little bit more toward the middle of the, I'm I'm a little bit more toward the fence than some of y'all listening. But I'm on the other side of that fence too. And I did, you know, I mentioned on offsides the other day when Thomas first called in, I asked him to reach out so I could get him onto this show. I, I did say on offsides the other day, you know, this is a question of Catholic ideology. And just how far can you push the ideology without forcing a Catholic institution to break it? And I don't think that you're going to be able to force it to break. The Diocese of Lafayette is going to be firm on this, and STM is going to be firm on this. Now, there are Christian institutions around the country. Go to California, go to our, our, co- our big urban coastal areas. They're willing to be flexible. The Episcopal Church in general, willing to be flexible. I'm sorry if you're Episcopal. But we cannot... Just tell a kid who is going through an identity crisis, suck it up, you're wrong. There has to be something that we can do that is accepting of that child, but also pushing back on the idea that you need to fundamentally change the ideology of an institution 
just for the sake of that very, very small percentage of the population. 232-1542, we're going to go ahead and take a break, come back here at the end of the show. More on the news of the day when we come back right here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5, KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5, KPL 232-1542. If you want to call in, be part of the conversation. All right, but before before I get back to the news of the day, because there's, there's still a couple things I want to mention before we go. Y'all, today I woke up, took my kids to school, went to Walmart before 8 a.m., Got home, put the groceries away, fixed too much coffee. I, I've, I've had way too much coffee today. And worked from home. This is my life now. The the life of an almost stay-at-home dad. Because technically my kids are at school, so I'm, I'm just, unless the I'm stay-at-home dad and the cat. But that was very weird. It's very weird to have not been at the first day of school. It was very weird to be the parent on duty to take the first day of school pictures, something Shannon and I talked about on Offsides the other day. It, it's I don't know how those of you who who are stay-at-home parents, work from home, how do y'all not lose your minds? About four or five hours into the day, I had to... I had to get up, walk, just walk around the house for a little while. I, it was either too much coffee or the boredom. I'm not sure which. Maybe I'll cut back on the coffee tomorrow and see. But good Lord. Now, I'm, I, I have a lot of stuff to do, so it's not like I'm just sitting there, you know, twiddling my thumbs. But still, very, very weird. Very, very weird thing that I'm ha- I have to get myself used to. Anyway, 232-1542 if you want to call in and be part of the show. Uh, so, okay. The, the news of the day, the Merrick Garland press conference. Uh, you know, my buddy Dan McLaughlin, who's been on the show here before, uh, has a piece up at National Review now. Uh, it's a very good piece. Uh, one, of the, one of the things he kind of gets to here is that this is a profoundly embarrassing thing for the FBI. Now They didn't get what they wanted. Um, and for Merrick Garland to say... Uh, if you if Merrick Garland said, well, we just wanted to do this quietly. It's Donald Trump who made this, you know, a big public spectacle. All right. If you honestly signed that warrant, if, if you approved this raid and everything like that, if you did all that and didn't expect Donald Trump to make some sort of public fuss, I'm sorry. You've made a terrible cho- you You've made a terrible choice in making that public because anybody with half a brain cell knows Donald Trump gets raided by the FBI. Of course, he's going to go public with it. We all found out because Donald Trump sent an email to all of his supporters. And a lot of the emails on that account are reporters who want to know what Trump's saying. That was foolish. The FBI, I think, I've told you guys for a couple days, I think the FBI has just been extremely foolish here. All right, let's go back to the phone lines. Hey, Dave, Dave joining us on the line. How are you, Dave? Hey, Joe, real good. Listen, uh, respectfully, I'm going to disagree with you. Yeah? Um, I think that if they found anything, and I notice that I said if, because I don't know if they did or if they did not, mm-hmm. but if they found something, they're going to release it at the end of October or the first week of November, the well, November surprise before the midterms. 
that's that's ex- that is going to be extremely late to do so. Right now, the Democrats are in a bit of a panic. They they see a bounce in their polling, and they want to try to continue to ride that wave because at this point, usually in a cycle, in in an election cycle. When we get to August and kind of going towards September, most people have locked in their votes at that point. There's very little that can happen unless there's just something super, super dire. But what they're trying, what they've been trying to do is build this anti-Trump narrative. And that's kind of the underpinning of a lot of what they're running on as a party. They need to continue the momentum of that. And they're going to try to bring out and say, hey, now he's under investigation for the January 6th. Stuff. Now we have evidence that he was doing this. Now we're going to investigate it further. They're not they, they want to keep stringing people along. If you just let it die and be quiet about it for a few weeks and all of a sudden pop up again, people tend to get a whole lot more suspicious of it. Now, the 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 double edged sword here is if they did have something and they did keep trying to string people along, eventually people their attention span on it wears out. So they're trying to navigate a very, very narrow lane here. If they had what found you just something said is a- what you just said is exactly what I think, is that they, they did it. They got the attention. People are wondering, well, did they find something? And they're just going to string us along, and then right before the election, they're going to come out and say, we found this, 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 and this. And even if they didn't find, even if they're going to be dishonest about what they found, um, you know, uh, what's his name? Adam Schiff kept saying, you know, I've got proof of this and I've got proof of this and I've got proof of this. Well, he didn't have any proof of anything. Well, but that's that's just the point over though. time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my, my concern, my concern is that they're going to come out. They're going to do it. They're not going to give the Republicans enough time to refute. OK, I want you to go on record right now and I'll give you mine as well. Mm-hmm. I think that the the, the House is going to go Republican. Mm-hmm. I think that the Senate is going to be uh, 53, 47 Democrat. And when I say Democrat, I'm including Bernie Sanders in, as a Democrat. So yeah. I think the Republicans are going to end up with 47. And I think that's going to be considered a major, major, major defeat for the Republicans. And there's nobody in this city who's more conservative and hoping that the Republicans come out more than me. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think the if right now, if you had to p- put money on it, where would you go with the number of Republicans that are going to come out in the November election? After after November in the Senate, what's what's the number of Republicans going to be? I'm going to say 51 Republicans in the Senate. And I'll, I'll, I'll say... Oh, God, I hope you're right. I, I, I do. And, and here's the reason. Kind of what we were talking about just a second ago. The Republicans win the House. The Republicans, I think, take the Senate. The Democrats, if they had gotten something from Trump, if they had gotten so, if the if the FBI had gotten something from Mar-a-Lago, Trump, I mean uh, the FBI, they they've leaked everything so far. They haven't leaked anything on this yet. We would have heard something by now, a few days in. All right, that's it for the show today. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, all the callers. We'll be back tomorrow here on the Joe Cunningham Show. In the meantime, offsides next. Me and Shannon here for Pick Your Brain and Others right here on News Talk ninety six point five KPL.